Well, one of the things that's true is to tune in, uh, oftentimes we have to tune out. And so across our Sunday services, Jono and I have been taking turns preaching about various things that we need to tune out of our life. How many people know that God is not the only influence in our world? Uh, if you've got a TV, other things influence you. If you listen to the radio, other things are going to influence you. If you have friends and family, other things are going to influence you. If, even if you're by yourself in a cabin in the woods, the cosmos is full of energy and life and spirit, and God's not the only spirit. There are evil spirits as well, Satan himself, who works to influence our life towards destruction. Do you know, the fact of the matter is that we don't even need Satan's help, Right? <laughs> Because already because of our human nature, we already carry a sin nature which leads us to do things that are destructive or things that are hurtful to ourselves and to others, right? So we have a flesh nature where we tend to do the wrong thing. Also, in life, how many of you know that just bad things happen? They're not even necessarily sin or not. It's just bad. It just worked out badly and, and, and the relationships collided and it was difficult, right? Bad things happen, right? Uh, but on top of that, on top of our sin nature and just the general nature of the world, and, and in all the mess of our life, the devil, Satan, is also actively working against us to bring destruction to our life. And we've talked about pride and how it destroys our life. We've talked about bitterness. Uh, we talked in the first series, uh, the first sermon about the fact that Christians, as Christians, we can be oppressed by the enemy. In, um, we use this word possession, that's the old word, demonic possession, um, but it's, it's not, the way, the way we use the word possession in the modern way of using the word possession is not quite right, you know. If you watch a horror film, you know, demons live inside someone and control them from the inside. Demons aren't inside us, that they, but they control us, they sit like on our shoulder. So think Pluto, demons sit on our shoulder and they can ride us, they can push us in certain directions and influence us. And how it works is when we sin and we don't acknowledge sin, then the, the devil has an automatic, not automatic, but has a legal right to control us in that area of our life. So when there's an area of sin, so maybe you lie a bit and you don't really acknowledge it. Now we all lie from time to time or we're dishonest. But if we don't acknowledge it, a spirit of lying can come in behind that sin and then begin to control you to the point where lying becomes your normal pattern and it's very difficult to break out. And really we need the presence of Jesus and the, through the Holy Spirit to break out some of those things because all of us have issues in our life where we've opened the door or we've, given, or we've created what the Bible describes as a foothold for the enemy. How many of you have ever seen people climbing up a mountain? Do you know the thing about a foothold is interesting. You know, if, you, if you're climbing, a mountain climbing, or I've only ever done it on the plastic blocks. Uh, but it's never about handholds. That's not what gets you to the top. That's not what gives you, puts you in a strong position. But once you have your foot in a strong position when you're climbing, then you're in a strong position. And so we don't want the devil to have a strong position in our life, do we? Okay, let's try that one more time. We don't want the devil to have a strong position in our life, do we? Now, you, you sound slightly more convinced. I'm certain that I don't want the devil to have a strong position in my life. But the reality is I need to take responsibility for closing the doors, and I also need to run to Jesus. I need to run to Jesus because it's only Jesus that can set me free from my own self and from the work of the enemy in my life. Is that all right? Well, this morning we're going to talk about a, a, a topic which is, um, I think is a challenge for every single human being, right? Every single human struggles with the, uh, the whole issue of lust. Now, lust is an interesting word, and we'll get to the definitions of it as we go through it. Um, and it's most common, the most obvious, not most common, but the most obvious area where lust or an evil spirit of lust can, can take control of our life, can take control of our life is in the area of our sexual desires. 
So we're all born with uh, natural human sexual desires, but oftentimes when those are out of order, the enemy can come in and can control us through those desires. And so I'm going to read through a chapter of the Bible. This is Proverbs chapter 7. The boys are going to throw it up verse by verse. Um, and you just guys are going to have to watch me when I stop, okay, because I'm going to stop as we go through the chapter, I'm going to stop and just comment on the bits that we're reading, right? And this is a story. It's King Solomon, and you've got to imagine him a little bit. King Solomon's looking out the window of his palace. He's looking out onto the street, and he sees a scene play out in front of him, and then he begins to write about it in this parable, or this, these proverbs, right? Okay? Um, and he's describing the interaction between a, a foolish man and a seductress or a, a, a seductive woman, Right? But if you, if you can get past the actual woman aspect, a man and a woman, and the actual woman, think about the, the woman is more, opera, she's operating in the story, she's operating in a spirit of lust. And so is the stupid man. He's not just a stupid man. He's operating in the spirit of lust. So what I want you to notice is how lust works as a controlling spirit, not just, well, women shouldn't do this, or women, men shouldn't do that, right? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, good. So this is not. So we're reading this now as a, 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 for insight into how the spirit of lust works, rather than just good advice about our sexuality. Is that okay? Good, good, good. Okay, we'll throw it up. Uh, Proverbs chapter seven is what I'm reading in verse one, and it says this: uh, "Follow my advice, my son. Obey. Oh, sorry. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live." Now, that's uh, an interesting word. That. We, we, what we're talking about with the spirit of lust really does have the power to destroy. So we need to obey God's commands. We need to obey these words, word, and live. We've got to f- actually got to fight for our life with this issue, with this spirit. We've got to fight for our life if we want to live, right? Guard my instructions, it says, as you guard your own eyes. <laughs> That's good, eh? Tie them on your finger as a reminder and write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister and make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtains, I saw uh, some naive or stupid young men, one in particular who lacked sense or common sense. He lacked sense. He's senseless, right? Now, the reason he's senseless and he he's lacks insight, he lacks wisdom, he's naive, is because he's already ensnared by a spirit of lust, right? It goes on in the story, it says, because he's going in the wrong direction. He's, he's, about to, he's about to happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? So he's completely lost sense, but he lost sense first, and now he's about to do something stupid, just happened to be at the wrong part of town, at the wrong time, right? He's just happened upon the wrong channel. He's just happened upon the wrong website, right? He's crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house, right? This is obviously a known person, right? It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. Now let's just break there for a moment. Uh, this woman's, this spirit, this woman's dressed seductively, right? She's dressed in a way to draw attention to her sexuality, to draw attention to her body. Now, as Christians, there's really no need to ever dress in a way that draws attention to ourselves physically. Now, you should dress nice, 
and you should, you know, you can, you can dress fashionable, but just because it's fashion doesn't mean you should wear it, right? Because there is a way to, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll probably just leave it like that because I don't, I don't yeah, look at me. I'm not going to tell anyone about fashion, right? I buy all my clothes at the same shop because you don't have to think about it, okay? Now, the reality is, though, it's when the Spirit's at work, when the Spirit's at work, the way you're dressed will be altered. And you're dressed in a way to draw attention to yourself and to attention to your sexuality, right? That's both men and women, right? It goes on to say she's brash or she's loud and she's rebellious. And, and the spirit of lust is loud, it's rebellious. Watch a music TV station. It's a loud spirit. It's brash. It's about rebellion as well. It's connected with rebellion. You can't tell me what to wear, pastor. Some of you already thought that. Right? Because it's a rebellious thing that says no one's going to tell me what to do. Well, actually, part of, part of the reality of the life is people tell you what to do. Smart people will tell you what to do. Intelligent people will tell you what to do. Dumb people will tell you what to do. you just got to be careful who you're listening to, right? She's loud and overbearing. She's never content to stay at home. She's often found in the streets and the markets. She's soliciting at every corner. Now, that's the reality of a city life. Isn't it? That's the reality of modern life. There's this loud spirit at work in our culture, at work in movies and TV and on the internet and in social media. This loud spirit's constantly trying to grab our attention, grab our affections, right? Uh, and we need to be aware of it. It's soliciting at every corner, right? Um, the next little part's interesting. It says this. Um, she threw her arms around him and kissed him. That's it. How many know that this doesn't happen every day, right? Some of you have been looking to me, but not one time have I been walking down the street and, and uh, a strange woman has come up to me and grabbed me and kissed me, right? Now, but this is actually, uh, the insight here is how the spirit of lust works. When lust grabs your attention, there's a shock factor to it. When you see that thing or when you hear someone says something in the workplace, it's a shock, right? And the, the, the issue is this, that, that shock is our warning sign to run. Change channel, turn the computer off, get out of that conversation, get away from that particular person in that moment of shock, right? That's our conscience being seared. That's our conscience being awakened. Wow, man, people shouldn't talk like that. It's just morning tea. <laughs> just trying to have my morning tea at work, right? And then someone says that, right? That, that shock that's how that's the thing we've got to protect, that shock factor. Because the moment we're not shocked is the moment that we're really in trouble with this. With a brazen look, she says, verse 14, I've made my peace offerings, I've fulfilled my vows. And the old translation says, I have my peace offerings with me, and I've fulfilled my vows. Which is interesting, right? And this again, remember we're talking about how the spirit of lust works. What she's saying is she's just been to the temple. She's fulfilled her vows at the temple, and she's brought some peace offerings with her, right? So what she's saying is, we can repent later. I've fulfilled my religious duties. Now it's time to do whatever we want, and then we can repent later, which is, again, it's a lie of first religion that says God will always forgive you. The reality is God will not always forgive you because you won't always remember to ask forgiveness. God's not going to always forgive you. It's a lie of the spirit of lust that says, well, I can deal, I can do this thing now that I want to do. I can indulge my desires like I want to do now, and I can ask for forgiveness tomorrow. We'll read on and later, and you'll realize you don't always have uh, tomorrow, right? This is what she says. You're the one I was looking for. 
I came out to find you and here you are. Again, this is how the spirit of lust works. It's looking for you. It's after you, right? It's a powerful force in our culture, not just in our culture. Do some world history studies through every culture. The spirit is at work within humanity to bring destruction and it's after you, right? Cool. It goes on and says, My bed is spread with beautiful blankets and covered with the sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Lust always pretends to be love. Come, let's drink our fill of love. But there's, there's not love involved here. It's just lust. And so... Love and lust, lust pretending to be love is, is a bit crazy really because love is from heaven. God is love and lust is from hell. So the two things actually don't coexist. Even in your relationships, if lust is at work, love won't develop, right? Because lust and love, they can't coexist. It's not like, oh, we, you know, we hooked up in this thing and then love developed. It doesn't work like that. Lust, it destroys things and destroys relationships. Love builds things and builds relationships. They're actually opposite rather than sort of similar, right? And the, but lust, lust will always masquerade like love. Like love. Uh, lust is, you know, lust is, uh, uh, so lust is not the same. Love, though, love is not the same as lust. Love, love is not a one-night stand. You can't love someone and sleep with them one time. And, and lust is not like a lifelong commitment. <laughs> you know, love is a lifelong commitment to a person or to people, to family, to connection. It's about that. And lust is something where you get what you want. You just fulfill a desire. Then she carries on. She says this. Check this out. I think this is a real interesting one. My husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He's taken a wallet full of money, and he won't return until later this month. Do you know what lust will always tell you? Lust will always tell you that you won't get caught. This is what lust really says. Lust says, you'll be the first person in the history of the world to not get caught. <laughs> Do you know what? You always get caught. You always get caught. Do you know, even if you haven't got caught, you always get caught. It's a funny thing that we think, oh, I can do this and I won't get caught. When what we really mean is mum won't find out or my wife won't find out or the neighbours won't find out or it won't, be, it won't be just on the screen at church on Sunday, right? God forbid our sins found their way up there, right? Some sort of glitch in the system. Hey, put that slide up for tune in. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and the angels are like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> no, because what do you think about, here's the thing, what do you think, what is your thought, what is your, what's your view, what's your attitude about God if you think you're not going to get caught? You th if you think you're not getting caught with the mistakes you make, the, the wrong things you do, your God is very small and stupid because he's got to be smaller than you and stupider than you, right? But God is bigger than you. He sees everything, right? You always get caught. If, if you think you're not going to get caught, the issue is that you're arrogant and you don't even believe God can see you. You believe you're smarter than him. Anyway, she seduced him in verse 21 with her pretty speech and she enticed him with her flattery. 
He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag that was caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Isn't that interesting? Little knowing it would cost him his life. Remember the historical context. King Solomon, he's looking out the window. He sees this going on. Bible scholars say that what's happened is King Solomon was literally sitting in his house, looking out the window. He saw this going on. He told the guards, go and get those two and put them to death. Because he was the king. He's responsible for the whole law. And then see, the thing is this, the king's looking out the window. He's looking at us. He's watching us. He's looking at us. God is looking out the window. He's watching from his window. And there's always consequences for sin. The fact of the matter is, as Christians, we don't pay the consequences when we bring our sins before Jesus. But it doesn't mean no one pays them. The cost of forgiveness is massive. It's free to you, but it costs Jesus a lot. And when we sin and when we allow the spirit of lust or any spirit to control us in a way where we behave in a way that's just offensive to God, what we're doing is it's offensive because of the sin, but the biggest offense is that we put no value on the sacrifice of His Son. We're putting no value on the cost and the price that forgiveness costs us. We think, oh, we'll just forgive one time. The reality is He's looking from the window and there's consequences for sin. There's always consequences from sin. So verse 24, listen, my sons. Pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray towards her. Don't wander down her wayward path. We're thinking of a spirit of lust here, so don't worry about gender so much. Don't let your heart stray towards that spirit. Don't let, wander down that path. For she has been the ruin of many men, and many strong men have been her victim. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Interesting, in the, it doesn't say it in New Living. I added the word strong in. If you're paying attention, you would have seen that. The old translation says all of her victims are strong men. Uh, all these things interplay. And our pride is one of the things that makes us most vulnerable to a spirit of lust. Because we think to ourselves, we can handle it. Do you know what? You can't. Uh, you can't handle it. People who are real strong are her victims, Right? In reality, there's many passages throughout the Bible that talk about uh, uh, sexual sin, talk about adultery, uh, talk about uh, uh, fornication, it says in the old translations a lot. Um, and, and the reality is every time it talks about these things, it's always connected with the penalty of death. Uh, fornicators are always listed among those who are going to hell. And the reality is that if, if we're people who are living, constantly living in a place where below what we know is God's standard for our life sexually and we're comfortable with it or we endorse that sort of behavior or we, or, or, or we celebrate it, we've got to ask ourselves some really hard questions. We really need to ask ourselves, has, has God actually, have, 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 have I actually become a Christian? Has, has Jesus transformed my life? And that's not a bad question to ask yourself. Not a bad question to ask yourself. Ha, have I really surrendered my life to Jesus? What do I need to do to really surrender my life to Jesus and, and commit my life to Him, begin to follow Him? Because actually, if you just try and deal with the spirits outside of that, you're always gonna, you're never going to get anywhere because it's only in our relationship with Jesus that we're redeemed out of all of these things right? It's that relationship with Jesus that gives us the power to be redeemed. That's why we're saying every service, but we need to run to Jesus. 
Uh, and if you're trapped in an area like this, it can just be that you're a great Christian person and, and, and there's a foothold that's been opened in your life and it's a matter of dealing with that, closing that, casting those demons out and moving forward and growing in your faith. But actually some of us need to come back to a salvation point where you say, no, really, truly, actually my life is going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about following him. Because I've had conversations with people, you know, uh, not, not in Wellington, but when I was a youth pastor, I had more of these conversations, with, particularly when I was a young adults pastor. And, um, you know, a, a young couple who, who apparently are Christians, but they're comfortable just sleeping with each other uh, the same way anybody would, right? And I've had conversations with them. Uh, and they, they're not at all fussed. And so I'll open up the Bible and read things like, you know, and then thrown into the lake of the fire and lake of fire is the liars and politicians and fornicators. Uh, not politicians. That was just people. You guys didn't even flinch. You're like, yeah, damn straight. You judgmental rednecks. Anyhow. So you read the scripture and they don't, and they don't care. Why? But actually because Jesus, they, they actually haven't given their heart to Jesus. You know, have you heard that saying, give your heart to Jesus? Oh, yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus, you know, and then I took it back for Friday night because I was, you know, at the club. You know, we actually have to give our heart to Jesus, and then it belongs to him. Amen. And that's something worth thinking about. And, you know, don't, don't panic about, but think about. Go on, you know, we could panic about our salvation. You never should panic about it. You should think about it. And, you know, the Bible says we should work out our salvation. You know, don't worry about your salvation, but work it out. Are you saved? Work it out. Find out. Are you saved? Oh, no one else can know. Only you can know. Find out, are you saved? And the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which is the right sort of approach. Such a big question. Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you three D words. Is that all right? That describe a spirit of lust. And then I'm going to give you two D solutions. Is that all right? Uh, is that okay? So the first D word is this word desire. Everyone say Desire. And the, when we talk about a spirit of lust or lust, it's an interesting thought. The word lust could be translated, the ancient languages, we translate it into lust. Sometimes it gets translated into lust in the Bible, and sometimes it gets translated into desire. Because the reality is, it's actually a neutral concept. So lust or desire is a neutral concept, right? And so Jesus, when he was talking about the Passover meal, he said this, I have desired and with an earnest desire desired to eat this meal with you, right? And it's translated desire because it's a positive thought, right? It's, but the word's neutral. You could just as easily, correctly, ling linguistically translate that passage, I have earnestly lusted to eat this Passover meal with you, right? So you've got to understand that we are, that human beings have desire. We've got this thing that reaches out to God. We have a desire for God. We have a desire for family and connection. We have a desire for strength. We have a desire for comfort. We have a desire for control. These are all natural human desires, right? But the reality is it's natural and normal, right, to have desire, but they can be, it can be expressed both negatively and positively. Is that all right? So the actual central concept is normal, right? And the most common way we're tricked into, uh, into unbalanced or distorted desires is in our sexual nature. But it could be just as easy, uh, you could be just as easily distorted in your desire for money, for power, for control, which is more like greed, right? And it's the same basic spirited operation that says, I need, to, I need more, right? Uh, but the most common one that we most experience is in our sexual nature. 
uh, where we can, where things can be distorted. Let's read a bunch of scriptures. Is that all right? Galatians five sixteen to seventeen. It says this. Wow, these guys are onto it. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature. Look at the word craves, right? Now, this is a new translation, so we've got lots more words to use because we've obviously invented new words, but that could easily be desire or could be lusts, right? So don't do, don't, don't do what your sinful nature craves because you've let the Holy Spirit guide you, right? Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil. How many people know that's true? Yeah, the sinful nature wants to do evil. The sinful nature wants to trip up your little brother. Doesn't it? Isn't that just awesome thing to do, right? Which is opposite, though, of what the Spirit wants. Can you see the word wants? So the sinful nature craves and the Spirit wants. Same words, right? And the Spirit gives us what? Desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're never free to carry out your good intentions. Do you like that? You're never free to make good decisions. Isn't that interesting? Because you always thought you were. But you're never free to make good decisions. You can't make a good decision without going to war in your desires. Every good decision is a result of the Spirit winning and the flesh losing. Every wrong decision that you make, particularly in the area of lust, is a result of the flesh winning and the spirit losing. And that's because you spend more time training your flesh than you do spend training your spirit. So when the two dogs fight, the biggest one always wins. And the reality is what the Scripture says in Galatians is we need to build our spiritual desires. Because desire is always at work, so let's build some good ones. I really have a desire for broccoli. Build a good desire like that. Much easier to do that than trying to fight the donuts off every time, right? Yeah? It's the same in the Spirit. It's the same in, in, in all of our life. Come on, let's build our desire for God. How do you do it? You've got to engage with God. How do you do that? In the Word of God and in the Bible and in attending church and in singing songs and in contemplating and singing. Thinking. Thinking is like thinking and singing when you do the two together. Anyhow, do you get what I mean? The same way you, same way you cultivate any other desires. If you buy something expensive, it's because someone cultivated the desire in you. You saw it in the pamphlet. You saw the ad on the TV. You walked past the shop. You saw your friend had it. And before you know it, there's a desire inside of you. Come on, read the Bible. Turn up at church. See that your friends are following God. And before you know it, come on, there'll be a desire within you. It's not going to happen by accident. You're not accidentally going to do the right thing and live a powerful life accidentally, you're just going to be the victim of your own desires, the victim of your flesh. You need to actively work to develop a spiritual ethic, a work ethic, a spiritual ethic that says, I read my Bible and I pray every day. They sing it down in the other room. Come on, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Why? Why do you need to grow? Well, well, you know, we need to grow in God. No, you need to grow in God. You need to grow so that you're not the victim of your own desires, so you don't get led down a path to destruction. It's not like, oh, maybe I'll grow in God, maybe I won't. Well, no, it's a life and death matter. Are you going to grow in God? Because the, the stupid boy, he didn't know it would cost him his life. 
But come on, it will cost you something if you don't grow in God. Romans 6.19 says, Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led you even deeper in sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you won't become so that you will become holy. Didn't you like that? That's strong language, slaves, isn't it? Slaves don't have a choice. We've got, to, we've got to give ourselves so that we become slaves to following God. If it's, not that, if it's not that extreme, it won't be anything in the end. Romans 8 verse 5 to 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds is death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Romans 13, 14 says, Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge evil desires. That's quite wise advice. Don't let yourself think about the ways you might indulge your evil desires. Clothe yourself with the presence of God. So desire is normal and natural, but the question is what sort of desires, what sort of lust are you going to develop in your life? A lust for God, a desire for God, or a lust for the flesh? And it really comes down to discipline. What are you going to build in your life? What sort of a life do you want to build? Amen? D word number two is the word deception. Everyone said deception? Very good. Let's look at Proverbs 6, 24 to 32. I think you'll like this one. I think you'll like this one. It says this. Uh, you should listen to your parents' instruction. It says in the first three or four verses, it's the same thing of listening to your parents' instruction, listening to wise advice, because it will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. Remember, Take the man and the woman thing out of it. Think about how the spirit works. For a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping and sleeping with another man's and sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Look at this, verse twenty-seven. Can a man scoop flames into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Right? It's got, there's natural consequence going on here, right? Can you walk on hot coals and not get blisters on your feet? Right? So it is when a man sleeps with another man's wife, he who embraces her will not go unpunished, right? Then this is a weird verse. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving. The old translations say, you might excuse someone who steals food to satisfy their hunger, right? But if the thief is caught, he still has to pay seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. Back to verse 32, but the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. Now, the reason I read you this is because that interesting verse in the middle there, where it says, it says, don't sleep with another man's wife, don't commit adultery, it's stupid, it'll destroy you. Then it says, you might excuse someone who steals food if they're really hungry. Right? And then it goes on, don't sleep with another man, don't commit adultery, right? It'll ruin you. Isn't, don't you think it's weird that they mention stealing because you're hungry in the middle of this passage about adultery? It, it doesn't really flow that well, right? The reality is the point that's being made is quite subtle. You could excuse someone who's hungry who steals some bread because when they eat the bread, what? They're not hungry anymore. And the point that they're making is, 
Don't sleep with another man's wife because adultery will never satisfy you. Because that's the biggest deception of lust is that you think you need something more to satisfy the desire, but adultery never satisfies. If you're hungry and you steal some bread, if you get caught, you're going to have to pay it all back, right? But at least you weren't hungry anymore, right? But lust doesn't work the same. Lust will never satisfy the hunger. More and more money will not do it. More and more cars, more and more power in the workplace will not do it. More and more sex will not do it. More and more pornography will never satisfy. It just destroys, right? It brings death. It brings destruction. Now, the issue is the deception about uh, lust is lust is just more and more is ongoing and eternal, right? More is a never-ending thing. Proverbs 27.20 says, Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Habakkuk 2.5, Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. Here's the deception about the spirit of lust. Lust is an empty promise. If I had this in my life, if I have that in my life, it will satisfy. The, re- the reality is it doesn't satisfy. It just brings you to our last D word, which is death. So desire, deception, and death. James chapter 1, verse 4, it says, this is an interesting little, uh, important little passage, actually. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, right? So we have desires, and what desires was neutral, wasn't it? So desires entice us into a deception, and they drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So those are our three Ds. the desire, and then there's deception, and we find ourselves in death. Romans 8, verse 12 to 13 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, Uh, You have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now the reality is when the Bible says death, it doesn't always mean the same thing as immediate physical death. We know from the story of Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, they were told not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And if they did it, the Bible said that they would surely die, right? And I'm telling you this morning, the Bible also says that lust, adultery, or uh, imbalanced desires in our sexual nature, or imbalanced desires, will lead to death in just the same way, right? Something will always die. Our relationship with God will die. Do you know, spiritual death is a bigger disaster than immediate physical death. You might find it hard to believe, but if you were to drop dead of a heart attack right now in church, connected with Jesus, following God, that's not as big a desire, uh, not as big a disaster, sorry, as if you were to slowly move away from God and have your desires lead you from Him. Because if you die in the Lord, then to die is to die is to be with the Lord. But if you're led away from your relationship with God and you allow something to sever that connection with the Holy One, you're bigger than dead. It's worse than dead. You're on a pathway to eternal damnation, right? We don't get to say that in church anywhere near enough, right? How many people know that that's a bit of a mind bender that we need to actually get straight in our head? 
there's something worse than just dying physically right now. That would be very sad. We'd all cry. We would all cry. Right? But at your funeral, we'd be happy for you. If you died right now, we'd be happy. Come on, they died in the Lord. Right? But the saddest thing are people who are led away by their desires into a deception that brings them to a place of destruction. That's far sadder than anything else that could happen. Do you know what happens when you're controlled by lust? One of the main things you'll notice is that your imagination dies. Because you can't think freely and broadly. You think narrowly on the things you're fixated upon. Your, your creativity will die. Uh, your leadership will die. If you're in a leadership role in your workplace, your ability to lead others dies because your relationship connection ability falls away. Right? And so your ability to lead dies. People don't listen to you. People don't really uh, follow what you're saying. They don't get you. Uh, your, your, your love for life will die. Do you know your desires for other things will die? Your desire for exercise, your desire for family, all of those things will shrivel up as you fixate upon your one desire, whether that money, whether it's a sexuality thing, whatever's going on, your fixation on your one desire kills all of the rest of the desire in your life. And you will experience death absolutely and surely if you continue to allow a spirit of lust to control you, right? Who would like the two D solutions before we go? We've got one minute left. Who's ready? The two D solutions are this, deliverance and discipleship. We started our series by uh, quoting a real famous preacher from the olden days uh, who said this, that you can't cast out your flesh and you can't disciple a demon. And the reality is each and every one of us, in terms of our desires, Scripture teaches us really clearly, we have to be discipled. We have to be disciplined in, ha- in our desires. How many people would agree that it's what the Bible teaches in Galatians 5? I read it this morning that our desires are at war within us and we need to learn to manage them. We need to learn to control them. Do you know, when it comes to um, managing desires, I reckon the best illustration I've ever heard is that there's always two dogs living inside you. There's the, the, there's the flesh and the spirit, the spirit of God, and then there's your human flesh. Those two dogs are always at war inside of you. You don't get to jump in and fight with the dogs. You just get to decide how much food each dog gets. So if you keep feeding the spirit dog, one day it will destroy the flesh dog. If you keep feeding the flesh dog, sure as anything, one day the flesh dog will destroy the spirit dog. And if we want to live a successful life, that's the the simple message on discipleship when it comes to our desires. Feed the right dog. Catch yourself out when you're feeding the wrong dog because you'll have to catch yourself out. Oh, no, that's looking at watching that TV show. Now, there's a lot of TV shows that are not evil, but they're feeding the wrong dog. There's a lot of conversations where people aren't, maybe aren't crossing all the lines in the world, but they're feeding the wrong dog. Listen to commercial radio. It feeds the wrong dog. It's all feeding into the flesh. Home renovation shows, it's feeding the wrong dog. They are, it's feeding the wrong dog. Before you know it, you won't be happy with your bathroom. It's been there since the 70s. What's wrong with it now? Come on. Green will come back in. But come on. But, it's, but there's the, come on, you know the difference. Hey, that's a nice bathroom. Oh, I really need that. Oh, now I'm not satisfied with my one. Do you know what? When you get the new one, if it's all done out of a spirit of lust, you won't be satisfied with the new bathroom either. Why? Because you're operating in a spirit of lust in your home renovations. Right? Have you ever got a brand new car? It feels brand new for about three days. Then do you know what it is after that? It's a car. 
And do you know what? You're still the same useless person you were before. It didn't change your life. Come on, that's some discipleship for you. Come on, everyone say, feed the right dog. Okay, the, the, the reality is this though. When, when the devil's got a foothold in our life, and with something like a spirit of lust, all of us at one point or other or often in life have to identify the footholds where the enemy's actually got claws in. Maybe because we've been stupid about what we're watching on TV or the way we're using the internet. Maybe the devil's got a foothold in our life and he's started to control. Or, or maybe for, for many of us with these sorts of things, we've grown up in an environment or things have happened to us that have distorted our views and have distorted our desires. And maybe it's not your fault, but you know what? Even the things that aren't your fault are still your problem. And you can still take your problem to Jesus. If, if there's anything that we believe at church is that you can take your problem to Jesus. And so we're going to worship as we finish. Is that all right, Patti? Patti will lead us or the team will lead us and, and we'll sing the surrender song again. And, and this is what I like to do. We're just going to worship in just a minute. And, and all we're doing in our worship is we're running to Jesus because Jesus can set us free. And this is what I'd like you to do. If, if you know that, you're, that you actually have a, a spirit of lust controlling your behavior in a way that's bringing destruction into your life, I would like you to take responsibility for dealing with it. Throughout this year, there's going to be opportunities. Like uh, tomorrow night, and I forgot to mention this actually, tomorrow night we're, we're, we've got our, our first E-classes starting and it's about God's mission, which is going to be awesome. But later in the year, we'll, we'll run a Valiant Man program, which deals for guys particularly about how to manage your sexuality, how to disciple it, and it also comes up against those spirits and breaks them, right? It come on if, when that comes around, make sure you're there. Uh, my name's Jordan Smith, by the way. I'm the pastor. You all pay me full-time. Did you know that? You pay me full-time, which means that I've got all week long where I'm, I, I'm sitting in my office waiting for someone to ring up and say, Pastor Jordan, I have a spirit of lust. I need you to pray for me. All, all week long, you can ring me up. I can pray for you over the telephone. God is actually big enough that we could do that. We could get together for a coffee or we could meet at, I could meet at your house or we could pray in your home, right? Have you met these people? This is Dougal and Rachel. Why don't you stand up, Dougal Rachel? Let me introduce you. This is Dr. Dougal Sutherland and his beautiful wife, Rachel Sutherland, also a doctor as well, but we don't, it gets confusing if here. Anyhow, um, the, Rachel's one of our elders and Dougal's a significant leader in our church. Come on, if there's an issue you're struggling with, do you know what you could do? You could, you could ring them up. Or you could talk to them in the foyer after and say, hey, let's do it like this. Hey, I'd like to get together and talk a bit about the sermon. You don't then have to say last in the foyer, right? Love to get together and talk about the sermon. Do you know, someone did that last week. Someone rang me. Oh, you know, stuff came up when John was preaching. Could you pray for me? So, you know, someone else said, oh, this, is, this has happened. You know, um, some testimonies coming back through the week of God just transforming people, right? But it's as they take responsibility, we'll get someone to pray for you, right? So we're not going to do that this morning. I'm not going to pray for everyone this morning, but we're all going to worship Jesus this morning. Is that all right? And we're going to believe for God to break through in our world. And then, come on, if you need to deal with stuff, come and talk to your e-group leader. If you know your e-group leader well enough, come and talk to them. Otherwise, there's people here who can help, and we're going to have courses to help. And we really want it. We really want to see people set free. Amen? Amen. How many people want to be free? Yeah, Jimmy does. How many people want to be free? Why don't you show, raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to live free. I want to live God's call on my life free from those pressures. Amen? Why don't you jump to your feet?
Let's lift our hands and let's worship God. Uh, the team are going to lead us. And again, let's run to Jesus today because it's Jesus who sets us free.